All right, we are back. E-commerce playbook podcast with the, uh, I would say probably the greatest guest we've ever had. I think we've only had two guests ever, but uh, today on the show, back with Taylor Holiday because we're talking again about brand acquisitions for 4400. We have acquired our fifth brand officially. Taylor uh, and I are going to talk all about it. Taylor, are you excited? I'm so excited. Good. Yeah, good. All right. So uh, we're going to jump right in. Here we go. All right, Taylor, we are doing this again. Not very long after we did this last time, talking about 31 bits. We are now talking about, drumroll please, Genuine Callers, the, the newest acquisition in the 4400 brand portfolio. Uh, it is the first week of July, and uh, and we started this thing on July 1, nice and clean, second half of the year, starting point, Q3, um, which Lori, our finance person, has got to be happy about. It. This makes things so nice and clean and easy. Um, so anyway, Genuine Collars is the brand that we've acquired, um, and uh, and we're going to talk all about sort of uh, the same thing we did with the 31 Bits podcast. If you haven't heard that one, go back, check it out. Um, uh, just Taylor and I talking about sort of what we like about this brand, why we're excited about it. Um, so um, I'll, uh, I'll give you a little bit of intro to it. GenuineCallers.com. Genuine Callers uh, is, has really two kind of core products, um, which is leather dog collars and leather leashes, and then also some um, customizable nameplates. Um, and uh, it was started by Corey Rometta, a founder who's in uh, Quebec, French-Canadian. Uh, first, first time I've gone international here for, uh, for our uh, founding. Um, and, uh, and Corey is a really fascinating guy. I'll just tell you right away. One of the things I really like about this brand is Corey. Um, he is, um, really hungry and sort of a serial learner. Um, Corey, uh, built his own house. Like it, he would just, for two years, he just went after work after his regular job every day. Um, he had the basic found, I mean, I think the foundation and maybe some walls. And then from there he built everything else in his house for two years, everywhere, every day after work, just like, and he, I don't think he had a construction background. He just learned how to do it along the way. Um, so this came out of a passion that he and his girlfriend, uh, longtime partner have shared around dogs. And then also for Corey leather crafting, he learned and still makes all of the, the, the website says, genuinecolors.com says, um, hand, handmade, uh, that will probably change soon to um, to artisan crafted or something like that, uh, because uh, we will not be able to scale it with Corey making every one of these himself. But that was how it started. He, he learned leather crafting because he wanted to learn. He learned e-commerce because he just wanted to learn. And um, and so Corey is the kind of guy who's just like that. And uh, and so that's where this brand came from was kind of this passion and excitement about leather crafting, about dogs, um, and turning that into um, um, marrying that with a passion for e-commerce. And so we have genuinecollars.com. A couple other quick numbers for you right away. Um, in the last trailing 12 months, uh, done just about 125 grand in revenue, uh, but that skews recent. So we're doing closer to 20 grand a month more recently. Um, and uh, another couple of quick numbers here, that's out of one and a half percent conversion rate against about a $90 average order value. Um, so uh, 87.50. So um, so yeah, that just kind of gives you some baseline idea of uh, sort of where this brand is coming in at in terms of its metrics um, and uh, just a really impressive start. So Taylor, what I want to ask you first is you, you were, let's just tell people honestly, a little less involved with this than you were with, um, with previous um, 4x400 brand acquisitions, probably than all of them. I think you had a much bigger part in all of them between relationships you've had and those sorts of things, the, the way these deals came to us. 
uh, Genuine Colors was, was not you. Um, so give me your first impression of this brand. And you can, you can be honest here. I think, uh, I think Corey probably will listen to this, but he, he can handle yeah. it. Yeah. No. I, I, so one, you've been on a real shopping spree lately. And so uh, <laughs> I can appreciate that. I think that's uh, definitely a key to this moment for us, actually. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I would say my initial reaction was, meh, just sort of like, yeah, that's, that's nice. Um, where do you go from here? Now, I'll say, as, I, as I've gotten to know it a little more, my, my excitement has certainly increased for a lot of the reasons that we're going to get into. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, so we, when I say we, Common Thread Collective, um, we have sold, I would argue, as much pet product as anybody on Earth, on planet Earth, besides, you know, the gargantuan Petcos of the world between Pup Socks and Crown and Paw and Kalo and Road ID and all these different brands that we've been selling pet product for. And now, uh, you know, we're, we're in the pet food business. We're, we have been selling pet product like crazy and we love the category. Um, one of my really good friends who's actually an advisor to Common Thread Collective uh, by the name of Justin Palmer runs one of the largest, I think actually now the largest pet media um, brands in the world called iHeart Dogs that also is an e-commerce business. And he's, so I've watched his journey. Needless to say, I'm obsessed with the pet space, but dog collars, meh, I think I was less excited initially when I saw it. So tell me why, like what, what, what about this makes you a little less excited? Cause what, I, what you just said is right. The, the reason the pet industry is appealing is obvious. It is massively exploding. People will spend all of the money on their pets, right? So, oh, so there's yeah. that, right? Um, the category is huge uh, and and growing and uh, all that. And then secondly, we have so much experience in this space. Doesn't it make all the sense in the world? I mean, we've we've sold tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars of pet products. Like, I so so tell me why, given all of that, because I, I think there's some things about the way you think about this sort of thing that's interesting. Like, I, yeah. I, I, like it's so just I would, interesting I would because say, yeah. this category is something people care a lot about. And it feels like you're saying on the one hand, you love this category and our experience. On the other hand, you're not that excited about this product. Right, exactly. And that is a little bit of contrast. So what I'll say is like right off the bat, sort of a very macro filter I like to think about for our businesses. And you guys have heard us talk about this before um, is either you have one of three things sort of going for you. Uh, one, you have a really high AOV that gives me a bunch of gross margin. Let's call that the FC goods bucket where I go like, okay. And so this is high AOV, but it's like kind of a tweener. So it's about a $90 AOV. It's not the 170 or 150 that you get from FC goods. So it's like, okay, but not great. Or it has a really high LTV, like you get out of Bamboo Earth, you know, something where it's a consumable product. Leather dog collars that are built to last, not going to do that for you. Um, and then the third one is like what I would call socially native, like great Facebook ad products. So that's the pup socks, crown and paw that I've seen work really well in the pet space. That's like, it's thumb stopping. It captures your attention. And this, again, it's sort of a, eh, in all of those categories, right? And so I think right off the bat, that's sort of the initial principle where I go like, well, it doesn't immediately jump off the page to you as that sexy home run potential brand based on just like that initial gut reaction. Yeah, and so, and I think the other thing I'll say is for anybody who's now going to the website um, and looking up this brand, I think it's easy to sort of miss what is interesting about it because um, this is not to fault Corey who founded the brand. Corey did what so many entrepreneurs have done, which is he got it to where he could get it with some simple Photoshop skills uh, you know, investing as little as possible in things like 
photography and design. And let me just tell you, if you're a founder and you're in the early stage of your business, that is the right way to do it. Do not go get a super professionally designed website in the early days. It doesn't matter enough. You do not need that to get to a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue and sort of prove viability. You just don't. Um, so what Corey has done instead is sort of bootstrapped it with his own skills and uh, been able to get to a certain stage. Now, that means that for those of us who are in the professional e-commerce space, you're going to look at the website and go like, oh man, there's all kinds of things I want to fix. Um, and that's right. There are all kinds of things we want to, that you want to fix. So you kind of combine what you just said about some of the economics there um, mixed with like the sort of brand first impression. Like does the brand, uh, you know, it's sort of like evaluating whether you think a person is attractive when you go to right. a brand's website, right. you know, and you just sort of have this idea like that, right? Um, and I find that in general, one of the things um, that people do when they react to, I noticed with the 31 Bits conversation, some of the people who reacted kind of gave this idea without knowing almost anything about the, the economics or anything like that, or sort of like, I think it's a good acquisition, I think it's a bad acquisition. And mm -hmm. I think just by going to the website. And I just look at that and go, like, how could you possibly evaluate whether right. this is a good or bad acquisition? And the answer to that is that I think sometimes people are thinking totally in terms of like what you might call sexiness, right? Of totally. the brand. So just a sort of idea of like, you, you look at this and go like, is this the kind of brand that could be a, you know, DDC like superstar brand? Now, notwithstanding that a lot of those superstar brands actually collapse um, and that like they don't work as well as people think. Um, but even without that kind of thing, um, there is that kind of move that people have. And, and I don't want to make it sound like I don't believe in the future of this brand. I do. I, I mean, I do enough that we just bought it, right? So, like, so, um, so that's how much I believe in the future of this brand. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, do, do you see sort of the, the, the first look attractiveness, sexiness evaluation happening around you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the reality is I'm subject to it as well. Um, and I think there's actually an interesting thing in which that represents some of the opportunity is if you have this sort of foundational set of principles about what actually makes e-commerce work, then you fall less subject to things. And this is one of your major criticisms is like in our world, let's call it the digital marketing e-commerce world. One of the things that people love to do is to like give aesthetic website feedback, right? Um, relative to what they feel what the, the sensation they get when they experience the website. Um, but that's so such a narrowly subjective experience relative to your own individual world. And so in a lot of ways, it's like the least helpful thing that you should trust in making a buying decision like this, you know, uh, now everybody on Twitter in particular is happy to use that as the proxy for how they make and give feedback. But for us, it's like, Hey, we want to see, let, take us into the economics of this business. Let us understand where the traffic is coming from. What is the demand? Because we just generally understand that most people are not us. <laughs> and so using ourselves as a representative sample size of the market demand for anything in the world is a terrible idea. Yeah, that's totally right. And then I think the other thing people are doing there is they're, they're like sort of projecting out like what kind of outcome you need to be successful. And they're thinking about it in these terms of like, yeah, a great brand acquisition is a brand that can get you to, um, you know, nine figures or something like that. And they wouldn't necessarily say it that way, but they're sort of thinking in those terms. Like, it's just this idea that like, what really makes a good acquisition is this gigantic upside. Now, I think right. that you can do a great job with a really good quality brand um, 
and, and get to 10 to $20 million and have it be an incredibly valuable business, especially relative to where we're starting it here, right? With a trailing 12 months of, of 125 grand. So, right. um, so part of the deal here for us is always just this idea that like by maintaining some option, optionality and the way we approach these sorts of things, um, that we, we, we can go pursue plenty of upside um, in the 4400 model, I mean, plenty. Like, we will write Corey a big check if at the end of this, because Corey still maintains partial ownership. He's staying on with the brand. He's We've considered him part of the asset. Um, and um, and so, I, and I would love to do that. Like, just at the end of this day, like, feel really, really good because we're not venture, we're not trying for VC outcomes here, you know? Right. It's just not that kind of thing. And now you start to go and put that together and go like, wait a minute, there actually is quite a bit of upside. And so let me let me actually tell you about a few of the things that I like here. Um, uh, really specifically, because you mentioned a few fundamentals right away, uh, Taylor, but uh, uh, like LTV and, uh, and AOV and some of those things. But let me mention a couple others. The first is relative to this brand's history, I love the conversion rate, uh, the conversion rate relative to the AOV. So at $90, a 1.5% conversion rate um, to me is really, really solid for a brand that has not had any built-in brand equity or any of those kinds of things. Now, that's also dependent a little bit on traffic sources. Um, and this is another fundamental that I love. Um, so far, Corey has been able to build this basically on Google Shopping ads. Um, now, um, some people love to talk about how Facebook ads is gonna die at some point and how we're all over leveraged there and all that kind of stuff. I actually think the place where you're, you're much more leveraged uh, is if your business is built totally on Google Shopping in the long run because the market competition for Google shopping right. is so fixed. There's only so many searches. And as right. long as those searches are valuable to rational players, all of those rational players will keep bidding up until all the profit gets bid away. So um, if you wanna grow to where you're eventually gonna get to, it's gonna be a problem. But what I love at this stage of the business for Google shopping being, um, uh, uh, being the, the way that it has grown is that it is inbound search traffic in a category that people are searching for. We, we know their search volume around it because they're not searching the term genuine callers. Um, so they're searching something like leather dog collars or leather leashes or whatever. Um, and they are getting to the website and they're buying things. And like you put all that kind of together and it does this thing that we talk about all the time in this process, which is it just validates basic product market fit. Even with an under-optimized yep. website and all those things, you've got some basic things. So that's the first thing I love. Like relative to the traffic sources, you've got um, high, uh, a solid AOV, uh, conversion rate relative to the AOV built off of good quality traffic that is people are looking for something and they're, bu and they're buying it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, I think too, like one of the things to keep coming back to is the context of who we are at 4x400 and what we're trying to accomplish, right? And what you just said is, is exactly it, is that when we say product market fit, one of the things that's important is the scale of that that we find to be necessary to deem that as true, right? So some people might say that ten dollars to $15,000 a month does not actually define product market fit. It's insufficient for really determining that there's mass demand because they're trying to build a giant $100 million business. But that's not us, right? We are, I like to sort of joke sometimes that we're like sort of the pawn shop of uh, e-commerce aggregators where we're buying things at a price we think we can turn around pretty quickly and make money on it um, through some great tactical execution, some improvement to the brand, um, some better advertising. And so when we think about product market fit, something like seeing ten dollars to $20,000 a month coming organically, good, strong conversion rates are a signal that we can accomplish some of these things 
And then you look at Facebook being completely untouched and we go, well, now we really add supplemental value to the business. So talk about that as a, as a, as a value proposition. Cause I think sometimes this is another thing that people are confused about, but like, I, I look at this as like saying like Facebook has like almost literally been completely untouched. Right. So totally. what, yeah. I mean, why do you like that so much? Well, it's just, that? again, it just comes back to who are we, right? Like if we were the business, you know, that had great relationships with target, you know, like then we would examine about the product's viability on target, but who we are is we're great. Maybe the best in the world, a little braggadocia there, but we're really strong at Facebook advertising. And so for us, if this business had come to us and they had squeezed all the water out of their Facebook ad account and we looked at it and we go, well, they're doing some pretty good stuff in there and maybe we could do better, but we're talking about marginal improvement, then the business would be really uninteresting. But when I message you, hey, Andrew, can you add me to the ad account? And you go, there isn't one. Uh, that's when we go, wait a second, now there's opportunity here that this business is already driving that kind of demand. They haven't even touched the primary demand creation engine that we use to grow businesses. There's probably a lot of fruit left on the tree, so to speak. And you add that to Google Shopping setup and those things, which means that the sort of the bottom of the funnel and the demand capture side of things is built. And I actually really love that. There's some fundamentals there that make so that like, if you can get those two working together, Facebook and Google, with a kind of built foundation there. That's awesome. Of the two, for a business we'd acquire, I would not acquire one that had no Google built, but that did have Facebook. But when you do it the other way, uh, it really works well for us. And um, and I think this is like maybe the closest I'll get to like a teaching moment in this uh, episode or something like that. Occasion, I'll try and say like, this is the way I think about it. But um, one thing I think that is an advantage for us is that there there is something that we know that we're good at. And, um, and so we're just trying to do the thing we're good at a lot. Right. Um, so uh, there, maybe the maybe the the analogy here is you and I are always going to baseball analogies is um, yeah. is like for a long time it was sort of considered uh, gospel for pitchers that pitchers needed to change their pitch mix a lot which which the idea is sort of you have to mix up your pitches the idea is like um, if you throw one pitch too often uh, batters will sit on it and they'll hit it but what people have learned over the last bunch of years is that if you have one elite pitch that's throw it, out, throw it all the time yeah. throw it more if people are swinging and missing. Why not throw the one they keep swinging and missing at? And so that's kind of the way we look at this, right? It's just sort of like, um, can we can we just do this thing that we're really good at? Not, not that it's the only thing we're going to do, because a lot of what we're good at around Facebook ads is part of what makes us good at Facebook ads. Like, if we can do a great job with tactical marketing around things like conversion rate and lander building and some of that, it makes the click more valuable, which makes our ads more valuable, and so on. Totally. But um, but uh, that's kind of the way we look at this. It's sort of like this is something that we can provide a lot of value in um, from there. Um, other, other sort of things we love about this is, um, is, uh, gross margin, value to weight ratio, leather goods is a good space for margin. Um, we and, have production uh, relationships in the and, space. And so that's another thing, right? We have FC yeah. goods, which means we already have a bunch of supply chain relationships in the leather space. So there's just sort of an economy of scale there for us, basically that, um, is really useful. Um, and building terms us- with a supplier, that's a, just like a huge thing where you have yeah. a trusted relationship with a supplier that they know that we are, you know, good for the money, so to speak. So the terms that we can get on production and things like that, those are all really valuable additional resources. Right. Even if you're not buying more of this specific product, the relationship built in means that we, we are now providing more business to this. We become a more important customer of theirs, which means that we get treated better. Like all those things really help, you know? Yeah, that's right. One other thing too is in just thinking about the product mix now a little bit um, between leather collars, leather IDs, and ID tags is that we know specifically from our business um, 
Because if you think about like the, the question of like, okay, well, Facebook ads work. Well, what, what comps do we have? We've sold a lot of dog tags. Between Kalo and Road ID um, are two businesses that sell silicone dog tags in particular, and they sell a ton of them. And they're that same concept of customized dog tags. And we know the general economics that we can get on those kinds of ads. And so that's a really strong sort of proxy that we can use for comparison there. And then um, I think there's some real opportunities around packaging walk kits like so you, where you get a collar leash dog tag combo and now you're sort of using this slick model where you're bundling products in a way that is a strong use case for people and now we're pushing that AOV back up so I think there's lots of little things we can do with this merchandise mix uh, to get people in and and really do it well at scale for prospecting on Facebook you could imagine a lander where you can actually custom select your bundle um, because probably we'd build this on the on the fulfillment side where you would just instead of pre-kitting the bundles, you would have um, your fulfillment team pick each one of these and then kind of create custom bundles. So on the website side of things, you could build a lander where all on one page, the moment you get there, you've got the value proposition with the leather goods, um, the quality of the leather, which is a real part of this. I mean, Corey's working with Italian leather, waterproof leather. Like there's there's real work here. I mean, the, the, don't don't miss that. They, we will make these really good quality leather dog tags uh, or uh, leather collars. Um, so you kind of put all that together and, um, and then you can imagine a really easy checkout process to where without even loading a second page, somebody could kit their bundle. Maybe there's a discount if you buy the bundle um, and be checked out all without, without a loading a second page. And that's like really appealing for a, from a Facebook ads perspective. You can make it right. very easy to shop. The, another thing that's like just an important sort of another reference to the ecosystem and one of the unique advantages that we have is that it's highly likely in the next 30 to 60 to 90 days, especially as we head into holiday, that we are going to be doing a pet-based shoot in our studio where we're going to be bringing dogs into the studio that we can piggyback off of um, and get some talent, if you will, in a way that just creates economies of scale off the back of our clients' shoots where we are going to get a bunch of beautiful dogs and shoot you know, pet paintings and pet socks and, you know, wild earth dog food and all these different things that it's going to be really easy to throw some dog collars in and just little things like that, that give us additional sort of economies of scale against the necessary work to create great advertising, that sort of thing, because to try and get each of these SKUs onto a bunch of dogs is a hard thing to do for a business to create a bunch of assets. It's so true, but it's but it's really important. People want to see this is in some ways a fashion product. It's not quite totally. that right, but people want to see how it looks on a dog. They want to have a sense of that. Yeah. Um, so so it does matter to get good quality, um, you know, photo assets and those sorts of things to to sell this stuff. That it needs to be clear um, above everything else. And one of the primary ways that we. Um, you know, like, so when we have our big campaigns that scale for our pet brands that do a ton of volume around the holidays is like, one of the common tactics is like CBO campaign DCT with 20 different breeds in the same photo, same ad concept, right? So where you are just creating this very visual specific example for people who own, because not just like, you can't just put one dog in the collar. You've got to give people a sense of what does it look like on a Pitbull and a Bichon Frise and a Poodle. And like, you know, this sense of that, the, the closer that you can get that, the more valuable it is. So all these little things where it's like, well, the barrier to that is just it takes a ton of production work to shoot all my SKUs on all these different dogs. And that's a giant hassle. We think we can overcome some of that um, by this shared resource model against the stuff we already have planned. 
it's just some of that stuff is just that's where the, the sort of experience comes into play where you know like here's kind of the approach um and i should say the last thing that i i really like as always about this thing is not only does it hit our margin target but it's cheap to ship um so that makes it so that there's just more margin there and if you're going to scale a brand on facebook ads you need to be able to have margin people i still have this conversation sometimes with vendors and stuff who oh you have what kind of margins and they're like kind of amazed and um uh and then on the other hand i'll talk to to people who are providing services or people who want to start a business and they'll tell me about their margins and I'll say it's not enough, but they come from retail backgrounds on both of those sides and they don't understand like that, like you're going to pay this money in advertising and paid media to grow this brand. If that's anywhere part of your strategy, you have to have the margin for that model to work. Somebody listening to this podcast, I promise has a business that they feel like they're not getting a good enough, um, uh, ROAS on Facebook on or something like that, but that is not your problem. Your problem is your margins. Your, 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 your Facebook ROAS is good. It's a, it's a problem of, of margin. And so we, that is a huge factor for us. So now you got to put this together and go like good category, good, uh, trailing 12 months revenue that we like good solid conversion rate against our AOV relative to our traffic sources. Um, gross margin is there. Value to weight ratio is there. Hasn't spent on paid media. And suddenly that's a lot of boxes. I just checked on one brand. And that's why the more I thought about this, though, I had the very first same reaction as you did, Taylor, which is like, uh, is this really something that I'm excited about? Um, that's I, I now once I checked all those boxes in my head in the evaluation process, um, it really got to this point where um, I like started to feel like, oh, actually, this is potentially really, really good. So even now, as I'm looking through this, there's so many little merchandising things too, in terms of the way the site's set up. Like right now, every color skew is a different PDP rather than just the colors being consolidated onto one PDP and being able to choose a different leather color. Like the, the, there's this weird dynamic when you select one category, it takes you to another like subcategory page. Like there are little wins here that we're just going to be like, stuff will clean up. That'll just make a little bit of difference, you know, and it'll just over time, the cumulative effects of all of these good decisions you know, it's sort of like e-commerce Kaizen, right? It's like just 1% each day, a little bit better over and over. And pretty soon this $120,000 a month is a million, a million and a half. And we just, you know, substantially created a return on our investment of the business. And, and that's, that's sort of like for us, the principle here of what we think we can do with great tactical execution, principled decision-making on acquisition um, to create sort of consistent quality returns on the assets we buy. Yeah. And it's just a funny thing. Like people will look at stuff like that on a website that you just mentioned and go like, oh, these are problems, you know? And that's for us, that's exactly what's appealing about it. Right. Because tactically commerce is what we do. So right. when we see negatives on tactical things like that, first of all, we understand we, we, we can say full throatedly to an entrepreneur, like I understand that it is impossible to fix all of those little things and also build your automated flows and also monitor your Google shopping ads and totally. also craft the craft the leather goods yourself, which he's doing all these things. So, so I never take it as a shot at the guy, at the person. I say, this is the whole value that we bring to you is that we're going to take so much of that stuff on that, you know, you need to do, you look at your website and see the same things I do. Um, and it's all hanging over your head and we can help. Um, and so this is why I think, we make a really good partner for somebody like this. We build the whole team around that. Um, and, and then can take somebody like Corey, who's a really bright guy and, and put him in a position to like just succeed by spending his time on the most valuable things. So, um, so last time, last yeah, time, I wanted, yeah, what was I going to say was one of the things we sort of went through was like, all right, so we've now like, why does it go wrong? Like, okay, I was just going to ask you this. So okay. tell me, tell, t you, you, 
there's nobody I know who's who's uh, more likely to um, to uh, uh, just tell 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 people what's wrong uh, with something than you, Taylor. I'm trying to find yeah. a nice way to say this, but uh, no, you have a critical eye. That's the nice thing about you. Um, and 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 whereas I am the eternal optimist and joke about this on my team all the time, I wouldn't say that you're not an optimist or that you're a hardcore pessimist. You tend to be a little more critical than I do. So um, yeah. So so tell me why I just blew four or 400s money. And, uh, and, uh, probably I'm going to get fired. Tell me why. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. My, my initial reaction is that there is a really high floor here. Like, because I, I don't see a mechanism by which we don't improve the revenue. The question for me is really a question of like ceiling. And I don't mean like $10 million. I mean, can you get this to 2 million bucks? Like at a profit. And the the question for me is all about like the initial acquisition against the AOV that you're after. And there's a chance where you just run at 1.3 in perpetuity and there's nothing novel about it. And you just can't ever crack that and you never make money in additional scale. And as you said, that profit on paid uh, search just sort of continues to be grinded up by rising competition and the brand just sort of sits there. And it just doesn't ever become anything. But I, I can't imagine a scenario where it's like with, with uh, 31 bits, I think there's actually a much lower floor because the risk is we're going to have to develop product to try to make it work. We're going to have to invest more money, I think, into figuring that one out. Whereas this one, I go like, no, like it's not like it's a leather collar. We don't need a different design of leather collar. Like that may work at some point, but if we can't sell these ones, then the business isn't real. So to me, it's, it's genuinely just a question of like, I think failure here is like, we just decide in eight months that there's other things that are better uses of your time and you just stop paying attention to it. Yeah, More I so than like, I think 31 bits, we could lose a lot of money. <laughs> no, I think that's totally right. I, I, it's just this question. It's, it's, it comes back to the sexiness factor. It's like, this is the reason why you wouldn't think it was sexy. It's like, it doesn't have a couple of those things. There is, I mean, again, it's not to say anything negative about the brand, um, it's just to say that like not every brand is, has the magic of something like 31 bits or even bamboo with some of the things that Amber brings to the table there and sort of her vision for it and the community around it and the messaging towards women and some of those things, right? This is, this is a much more straightforward thing. And it's not to say anything negative about Corey's passion for leather crafting, um, or dogs or anything like that. It's just to say, it's just harder to create magic in this space. And so, yeah. um, so, um, Here's so a question. I, yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. When can we anticipate the FC Goods Genuine Callers collab? So this thought has unquestionably crossed my mind. That is actually a way to create magic in this brand, I think, which is we, we already were product sampling uh, collars for FC Goods, uh, but I actually like this route quite a bit better. Rather than FC Goods introducing their own dog, dog collar, um, a collab that allows yeah. those two audiences to share and to, to start to actually create some some overlap in audiences in a way that's really creates value across for, for hundred brands. It's similar to the way I think about how bamboo and 31 bits could do something interesting together. That's um, one of the main things. Like, yeah. so my, my friend, Justin Palmer, the entire way they built their dog company was this on overlap of niche interests, right? So they would do, um, as an example, like first responders and wine, like, so they would make wine glasses to first responder owners of pets. Like they would take these really niche audiences and combine them into an overlap that spoke really intimately to people. So if you think about like dog owners in baseball as this overlap of these like two sort of, these are still pretty broad, but still this, these enthusiast groups where people are really passionate about being both a pet owner and baseball. Well, now their dog, you know, 
Fido or Spot or Hercules from Sandlot is got a leather baseball collar. And those things tend to move really well, maybe not at volume, but they do really well, especially on social when you can overlap those niche enthusiast groups. Yeah. And there's a nice equity build there. A lot of times too, there's a way to kind of get free audiences, both an email list and some of those things. Um, so yeah, and no, I, you're, you're totally right. I mean, I've absolutely thought about this issue that, that we could, um, create a, a collab here pretty easily, I think. And it would be cool. It would be a really cool product. Yeah, it would. And so what's interesting about a collab between two brands you own is like, mostly the problem is like, ah, oh, we don't make that much money on the unit, but like in that case, it, it would be. And I don't have, to, yeah. And I don't have any issue with like, who gets to control if the assets look right? I right. control And them. even the <laughs> fulfillment of it, it's like whether we sell it on FC Goods or Genuine Colors, like who cares? It's going to go out of the same place. And so it would make really yeah. easy drop shipping the product from one yeah. brand. So yeah, nice uh, and easy. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I think those are the main ways. I totally agree with you. It's, it's about total upside here. I think that's going to be the question. Um, I, I think the other possibility is that, um, like you said, that sort of, maybe the competition on a demand generation platform like Facebook is a little bit harder than I think. Um, and that actually we can't acquire customers very well from Facebook, from, from Facebook ads. Um, essentially that I just can't quite get people to care enough about this kind of category. I'm not too worried about that, but I think it is a place where we could go wrong. Um, the other somebody like, why does somebody care about our product? Versus like, I'm looking right now, because this is something I haven't looked at. Chewy sells a $14.99 logical leather padded dog collar. The Golden Dog Co. sells a handcrafted genuine leather dog collar for 55 bucks. Like, yeah, listen, why does someone not, choose ours? We're not the first, um, the first leather dog collar. That's nice. No. Um, but, but so this is, I think, a, a fundamental... Um, a fundamental misunderstanding of what e-commerce is in one, in one respect. And it's that it's that for a brand to break into the DTC space, it needs to be revolutionary in some way to overthrow people who are there before. It, it doesn't. Right. Like if it's a good quality of product and you can show somebody that at the right time, somebody who wants a dog collar and you can validate, like you should feel safe with this purchase. Here's the reviews. Here's the shipping. Here's the returns policy. Here's the photos of it on the website. Like, like it's really good. We can... We, we promise, you know, you could feel it. Um, then the person who wants a dog collar who doesn't already have a brand preference for this category, um, is just not, and they, they don't, they don't already have a, a brand preference for this category. They just got a new dog and I don't know, maybe they, maybe they've got someone they've used before, but I bet they don't even remember the name of the brand they used before because they bought right. the last collar 10 years ago. Like right. I just, I just think that there's like, you don't need to be revolutionary to win. And, um, you just need to be good on the, on the right things, provide a good product to your customers, care for your customer the way that you would want to be cared for by a brand, all those kinds of things. And, and if you can do those things while being tactically strong, you can win. It's super interesting. I'm looking at some of the first results right now on the Google shopping for leather dog collars. You've got the golden dog co I see no Facebook ads running at all. I'm looking at Metropolis, no Facebook ads running at all. Um, Wild One, which is a you know a great brand, I love them. Um, but silicone, it's not leather. Um, you've got who else here? The Foggy Dog, like same thing, nothing running. Like it's really interesting. There's not. Oh, sorry about that. There's not a lot of good tactical execution happening in this space. Yeah, and there's another little factor here in the back of my mind that is cool that I didn't even know about until we acquired this, but my, my brother told me that his dog, his dog's vet, um, just said to him that uh, what his collar was rubbing off his, his dog's fur a little bit in some way mm. and, and recommended specifically a leather collar. So I don't know if there's some kind of an angle there that 
Yeah, there's your first you know? funnel. Right. Uh, so, can we get yeah, that guy on a UGC? Yeah. Can we get him on a UGC making we, veterinarian recommendations? Yeah, four stuff? out of five. Four out of five vets, vets recommend a love yeah, color. Exactly. Yeah, just go the old school, old school route. Done. Um, yeah. Um, all right. I think uh, I think that about covers. Oh, wait, I have. I want to. I'm gonna. Let's let's make you do the thing that you hate the most in the oh, world, boy. which is predict the future. Um, so. Okay, you've, you've got two acquisitions now. You've got 31 bits and genuine callers. Uh, what was the, the so the t- you're saying the trailing 12 months for uh, genuine callers was what, 125,000? Yeah. Okay, and then 31 bits, you have this prediction about November and December that's, it's gotta be how big in November and December? I hear this on the podcast a lot. 100 grand, two and a half MER. Okay, 100 grand at two and a half MER. Give me uh, the dog callers, um, November, December revenue targets for, and is it higher or lower than 31 bits? It's exactly the same. I, I, I think I'd feel really good about hundred grand at two and a half MER for both. I haven't actually run the projection here yet, but I, I think in either case, what, what both of those numbers basically do is they show significant growth relative to current revenue. Uh, and the, the two brands are at a very similar current revenue pace because that trailing 12 months sort of hides that, re- that, Genuine callers has been growing, so um, yep. so uh, they actually are at a more similar revenue pace. So, so I'd if, say you exactly bet, if you had to bet, if you had to uh, bet, and here's here's the stakes: if you're correct, your son is a six-four left-handed hitting, right-handed throwing shortstop. Um, if you get it right, so He's there's Corey a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot at stake if you get this right. If if not. He gets more of Brit's height, and he ends up about five eight, and he wants to be a catcher. <laughs> uh, bits. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's a cop out answer. It's cause I have more information. It's cause yeah. I've had the brand for a little while and I've seen what the last Facebook ads did. And I also know that bits does well at holiday. So, um, yeah, that's fair. So, so I, I think I'd pick that, but it'd be tight. Uh, I, I think I, I really see them both in the same spot. I think it will be the same kind of thing where we really evaluate if this was good and worth kind of deeper investment uh, at the end of this year with holiday. Everything will be about kind of ramping up a production to be able to meet that. Um, I, I honestly don't even care about the revenue in the next couple of months, really. So, I agree. And how are you going to keep Sadie from dedicating all of her time to photoshopping cute dog photos? Well, as it turns out right now, that's, that will be her main job. So uh, okay, I then. want her to dedicate Perfect. her time to that. So when Sadie, Sadie Lewandowski, designer extraordinaire, who we've worked with for a long time, uh, when I brought her um, on as a designer, I told her we were in the process of talking to a pet brand and that she might need to do uh, pet sh- like photo shoots, shooting dogs. Like she could bring her dog Jerry into it. Like there's, she's excited. So yeah, th- there's, cool. it's actually one of the fun things about a brand like this for a team like ours is that like now all of our team members can buy a product that they will use for their dog. Uh, not all of our team members, but, um, but some of them uh, who are excited about their dogs, it's fun to have stuff like that yeah. internally that people are excited about. So, and are you going to get a dog? That's the lot. That's a good so question. This is know. another like funny thing about all this is like it's another brand that I there's no way in the world I would buy the product because I <laughs> I'm I'm not a dog hater. I just do not care about dogs. And this is I'm going to get. Yeah, you're about to get canceled. I'm about to get canceled. So yeah. you should stop. <laughs> yeah, I should stop. Uh, I think dogs are no I'm not gonna say that um all right so um listen the the um the mission of 4400 is to help entrepreneurs achieve their dreams and so the goal here is really simple which is that when you work with a brand like genuine callers a lot of the evaluation for us is is 
our, our Corey's dreams for himself and his life and his brand dreams that we can serve well. And they are, he really wants to grow in e-commerce. He doesn't have an e-commerce community around him. He doesn't know anybody who's in it. So part of the, the appeal to him was to get into this world. Um, and so, uh, just to kind of button this episode up, uh, it is fun, Taylor, to be on these two sides of the business, getting to serve that dream over and over on the client side, on your side, on the brand acquisition side, on our side, even when we think about the admission side with our education program, like just kind of taking that vision all throughout wherever these different entrepreneurs are and saying like, here's another one. So for me, like the thing I'm really excited about most above all is that um, this is another entrepreneur who I, I just like the, the thing I will project at least down down the road a couple years is that you and I can give Corey a big hug, hand him a check and say like, congratulations. Like we did this together. Um, you started that you took the risk of being an entrepreneur and doing this and we were able to come around that. Um, that's really the goal here. So, so, um, yeah. at the end of the day, as we kind of evaluate this whole thing, like I just am excited about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it certainly makes it a much better journey when you deeply care about the human who came up with it and what it means for their life for us to succeed. So that's the thing that like, you'll be exhausted trying to solve the problem. Um, and on the agency side or in the four by 400 side, like the Brian's, the Amber's, the John Brong's, like those are the people, you know, Callie and team, like th that's just what makes you really freaking want to fix it and no really want it. to keep pouring your brain onto it. It's not because I care about dog collars. You know? Yeah, exactly. Or exactly. skincare, really, you know? Truth. Um, so, yeah. All right. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it, uh, as always. Uh, and uh, we will uh, next week jump back into the 31 bit story. Um, but for now, uh, yeah, that's it. Genuine callers. Yeah. Dot com. Bye now. <laughs> yeah, go do it. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week on the e-commerce playbook podcast. Thanks again for listening. As always, rate, review, all those sorts of things. We really appreciate it. Get involved with me and Taylor on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris for me, Taylor at Taylor Holiday. Right? At Taylor Holiday? You're the only Taylor Holiday? All right. Yeah, he's, he's giving me a thumbs up on Zoom here. Uh, so at Taylor Holiday, at Andrew J. Ferris, get in with us both. When when you when you want to tell us how badly genuine color is going to go and why we have this totally wrong, make sure to talk both of us. Taylor will like piling on. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. So uh, otherwise, um, and of course, email podcast at 4 We'd love to hear from you. Has anybody Thanks ever done that? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, people are people are so great, and I love it. Like people people have questions to ask, and I, I try to get to them whenever I can. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. So otherwise, thanks.